Hello and welcome to Open All Our seventh season. Before we get on with the podcast, it's just a quick shout out for our pod squad. This is where listeners of the show support us. We've been very lucky over the past few years with all the great support we've had. Um, as you know, the podcast is free to listen to, but it isn't free for us to produce. So any support you can give us is much, much appreciated. There are various options on our website, including buying a beer, sponsoring an episode, which would mean you'd get an ad in the spot that you're hearing right now or a shout out on the pod you go to qprpod.co.uk click on support the show there's various options thank you very much to everyone that's already supported us and if you're thinking of doing it this year your support is much appreciated thanks a lot Hello and welcome to the Optimistic QPR podcast. My name is Paul Finney. I'm hosting tonight, you poor swords. Do you know what? Wasn't it really kind of Paul Brown, who's been on this podcast, to donate the beers for tonight? So everyone, raise a glass. Let's bang a glass to Paul Brown. Thank you very much, Cheers, Paul. Thatcher. As you can hear, you've heard it went to good use. You're a good man. With me is Chris Mendes. Hello. You had a good summer? Yeah, yeah, pretty mm. good. Anything interesting? Um... Steve Stace is also here. How are you? No, as um, yes, you were ESPN. Uh, David always likes to give you t- guys your proper titles to make me feel like the fan driver in the podcast. <laughs> so um, yes, how is ESPN these yeah, days? It's good. Yeah, so what is what do you do there? Do you just I'm do the corner from Loftus Road? So I can't complain. Uh, give it a few months. Um, Steve Stace from Indiars, <laughs> which I know quite well as I founded it. Never mind. With Steve Russell, of course. If you're listening, Steve, <laughs> hope you well. Um, and we've also ah, uh, did I've missed you? Oh, here we go. Uh, no, seriously, I have. Of yeah. all the people we do the podcast with, I think I've got the most in common with you. Mm. We both dress badly. We're both way too old to wear musical t-shirts. Yeah, and we're throwbacks from the seventies. Yeah, hi Paul. Chris Charles is yes, here hello. from Beat High Speed T Sport these days. Well, I haven't seen it for the last week or so. I've been um, well looking after kids and going to the cricket and other bits and bobs. Why don't BT Sports do a championship feature? Why do you leave the Channel 5 for rubbish? Sky Sports have got the championship. I know Sky and also Channel 5 as well. I was coming to them, but I'd like BT Sport to do it because... It's, it's not a championship show. Do you watch it, like? I know they've got um, Colin Murray to do it now and stuff like that. It's, it's not good, is it? Let's be fair. Well, I'm not going to comment on that, obviously, but um, uh, uh, why, why, why BT Sport wouldn't do it is because we wouldn't have the rights to show the footage, so... There's not much point having a championship show if you can't. You could get rid of Megalons. <laughs> anyway, well, 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 well. Have you ever known a more pessimistic pre-season ever on record at the Rangers, Chris? And then the work with you, Steve, and then you, Chris, again. Uh, yeah, I think the one before this one was worse, wasn't it? Do you think so? Yeah. Ah. Like, like games cancelled, teams didn't turn up. Uh, oh, no, that's normal. I mean, like the mood of the fans. Yeah. We, we haven't signed that many people, so we can't be pessimistic about the people we have signed you know it's only two uh, two so I, yeah I just think we just have to manage our expectations no one expects us to to do anything other than stay up is that what we are now Steve do you think where everyone was saying we want a quiet transfer window want to coach the players we've got are you happy with the transfer business I didn't say um, I was happy what I didn't say I was happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I can't I can't, I can't say I'm happy I mean it it is what it is we quite frankly don't have a pot to piddle in um, we, we don't have a lot of money to throw around either on wages or on, or on transfer fees uh, you, you said like have you ever known a more pessimistic transfer window well I think like the season we got relegated to the third tier when Holloway was in charge last time now that was pretty that was pretty pessimistic when we had we had seven players left on contract we'd just gone down and we were like playing Chesterfield and Mansfield that was pretty uh, that, that was a bit of a low point I have to say but uh, well that that damage was done by Francis, who is still a QPR legend, of course. But that was, yeah. But time to be fair to Holloway on that occasion, the time he'd done in, the damage was we were gone. Oh, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't Holloway's fault that time. No, I mean I think he was playing like, if I remember rightly, he was playing the Green Brothers and Terry O'Flynn and stuff in games. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Terry O'Flynn, Terry I Flynn. Mean, we had we had the likes of uh, Aziza Ben Askar and uh, he was Alex a great Bono. player. He was fantastic. actually. I liked him. We should sign him just because I couldn't spell his name and I never tried, so it was great. <laughs> Chris, what, expectations pre-season. What do you think? Are um, you the optimistic one in the podcast? No pressure. Mm, am I? Okay. 
Well, I think if we finish 20th or above, then I'll probably take that at the yeah. moment, to be honest, <laughs> which, is, which I suppose is being pessimistic or optimistic. I'm not sure, really. But I think the problem is that you, you, we haven't done much business and you see other clubs around us who've done quite good business. But somebody said to me that it's, the Championship is turning into Premier League too because of all the parachute That's true, actually, and stuff yeah. like that. And, you know, we just we just can't sort of compete with some of these these teams I think some, there's been a 15 million pound sign in and you know there's yeah. like Villa are spending stupid money yeah got John Terry as well as Chris Samba <laughs> yeah well someone put a, um, a thing up on Twitter of uh, uh, John Terry and um, and Chris Samba uh, head, head, trying to head off a corner it was a picture of two snails having a race which was, <laughs> was quite funny I think the problem with the <clears throat> with the championship is that We've seen reports today saying that QPR's, you know, board are going to meet soon to discuss transfer targets. I mean, the season starts in less than a week. If the deadline was on Friday, then clubs would have to do all their business before the season starts. And we've got a really tough opening period to the season. So, mm. if you know, we haven't got our stronger squad yet if we're still going to do business. And we've got really tough games. So we can't really afford to have a really bad start. All of a sudden, you'll get sucked into the bottom if you lose three or four on spin. See, that's what worries me. We stayed at the start, end of the season... We're going to do a business early. We're going to move and shake. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And we we haven't, for whatever reason, and it might not be the manager's fault or the board's fault. Let's just be honest. It could be a number of reasons. And we can't really mourn about clubs spending big money when we're facing the financial fair play penalty for doing exactly that when we had the money. Um, and I guess maybe we're finding... My worry is that we're going to find it really hard this season, struggle, and end up with a very toxic loss to Throde which scares the life out of me because the thing is it could happen quite quickly as well because we've, we've got such a such a, t- a tough start we could be sort of 6-8 games in I, I don't want it to happen but we could be somewhere near the bottom and all of a sudden the board's uh, trigger finger gets itchy it is worrying though because you know, just sitting around here we all sound so pessimistic and it's not just, like like, just trying to think about what the atmosphere is going to be like on Saturday I mean we beat Reading last season um, mm-hmm. Away from home, I yeah, think, we as did. Well. We, we were one of the few teams to be in yeah. their place all season, I think. So but the problem, I think, is that you've got to you've got to try and sit down, look at look at the squads, various squads that people have got, and try and find four teams that are worse than us in the division. But see, <laughs> uh, see, see, see I was I was talking, sorry, Chris, I was talking this on Saturday, and I think that's a really dangerous philosophy for us to have. And I think yeah. we do have it. Is there's always going to be three teams worse than us. Yeah. It has to be. Three will still go down. It's like, you know, in Italy when Ray Wilkins said, you know, everyone in, in Italy eats pass when a professional football, but t- three teams still get relegated. You know, so it's kind of, you're hoping that someone's worse than you, which is not great. You should be hoping I do, to I, get mid-table, surely. On a positive note, I thought that oh, on, on midfield look all right on Saturday, that three, uh, Freeman, Luongo and Scowan, if they can all stay fit, then... I thought Scowan looked really good, actually. Yeah. That, was a, that was a really big positive. Be crying out for him. Which the, means he'll probably start on the bench. The problem yeah. is that we, we, we don't seem to address the uh, problem of up front, uh, who's going to yeah. get the goals. Um, mm. Now, Silla was by far our most effective striker last season, um, nearly one in three. But Oli clearly doesn't fancy him for, for one reason or another. He did get booed by a few people on, on Saturday, Silla, which I found slightly strange in a pre-season friendly to honour one of our great heroes. Do you reckon but, there's a competition for people to get the who can boo earliest at any well, point? There that's, will that's be quite a, early. There will think. be a target this year, won't there? I mean, now Carl Henry's moved on. And, you I know, think everyone's going to be a target, Paul. Uh, Paul Chris, I think uh-huh. everyone will be a target. I'm not sure Silla's attitude is right. No, Holloway had that go in last season. Yeah, I and mean, he doesn't fancy him. It's probably well, he for that reason. He got dispossessed at one point, Siller, in it, and instead of like all of Bournemouth players, as soon as they got dispossessed, were like off chasing and and, and closing down, trying to win the ball back. Siller like throws his arms up in the air and, go, and like, looks at the referee. That's it. I mean, and he that's was the difference. He was looking for a foul every time, and he did get quite a few one one a few free kicks, Siller. But yeah, I'd agree with that. And that's you know, football fans always like to see people tear back and get stuck in although yeah, not quite as stuck in as uh, as our right back did um, and that's a major problem if, if he'd been on the if that had been a full game then uh, he might have been lucky to stay I, could, I haven't seen the replays but you could hear oh, it God, from yeah. the stands it wasn't, wasn't close I think, it was right in front of me in the low in the low loft it was a crunching yeah a crunching challenge I think you're right about <laughs> no, the strikers neither. oh the strikers were just we geezer, had, I mean, like, you know yeah we were clearly uh second best to Bournemouth they had better shape better passing and all of that but we started the game quite well we had two unbelievable chances to score both fell to each of our strikers and they couldn't tuck them away couldn't even get them on target 
That's the problem. Both of them, I didn't think the first touch was was particularly good. I mean, Smith's no. miss early I mean, on, let, particularly. Let, let's be fair. I thought Bournemouth were a really, really tidy side. They stroked it around really nice. And that was largely a second-string team. I mean, the only first-teamers they had out there were Boric, uh, Francis, Cook, and I can't remember the other one. But they had, they had like three or four first-teamers. And they still they had more than that. very, very comfortable. Yeah. Well, what, is it, what it is, is when they had the ball, they weren't hoofing it and they weren't panicking. Yeah. They were fighting and they were clearing up at the back quite easily as well. That's what worried me. If I'm being honest, our crosses were just not doing it. Well, we, our wing-backs really didn't work. I mean, uh, I, th- I thought Jarek looked like really, really lethargic. Also thought Jack Robinson didn't have a bad game. But again, we just didn't get enough down the wings at all. But this it, whole thing of, of um, you know shifting it up to Anua and then expecting Anua to play you know Rio Ferdinand like out of defence, it's not going to happen. It just he's well, tried I, it a few times. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not, not, I, do, I do quite like Anua, but um, yeah, he's, he's he's not the most skillful on the ball. And I also think that with Smith, the tendency is to go route one. I know when we played at Leeds and played really well, we didn't. But I think we've got, like you said, we've got a good enough midfield to keep it on the deck and and, and go through teams that way. But you need um, you need a clinical edge up front, which we seem to be lacking. I'd like to see that guy easy, uh, have you pronounce it, um, being given a bit of a shot this year. I, he hasn't. You're probably going to say he's been loaned out to someone. No, he's, but still, he's still, no. still with us. We're just we're just looking for the easy jet Whoa. combination. Whoa. Easy jet. Oh, very. Should we start I again? I didn't make that one up. That's excellent. Right. I think. Since we're so positive and we're all buzzing and chomping at the beat, 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 bit, let's talk to a Reading fan. This is a new feature we're going to try on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to the Fulham one. Um, Tell them about how good the playoff final was for us last time. Yeah. Anyway, um, we're getting an away fan on to get a perspective from a sensible away fan. All right, we're now going to speak to a podcast regular from the Tilehurst End, which is a Reading podcast. Obviously, you guys don't know it, nor do I, because we're QPR fans. And we have Simeon on the line. Well, welcome to the podcast, Simeon. Um, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll go straight to it. What's happened to Reading since the playoff final? What's been going on with you guys? Uh, it's been a bit of a mixed uh, summer for us, to be honest. Um, transfer incomings have been uh, quite slow. We've only brought in the three. Uh, John Bodvarsson from Wolves, uh, Pelly Clement from Ajax's Reserves, and Vito Minone from Sunderland. Uh, there's been some big uh, outgoings from Ali Al Habsi going off to uh, Saudi Arabia and Danny Williams being pinched by Huddersfield, which is a bit of a kick in the teeth. Um, but we've had some really good news uh, behind the scenes, getting some um, uh, key figures tied down to new contracts. Yapstam's uh, signed a new two-year deal. Uh, Liam Kelly, a really promising young player, has signed a new contract. And Chris Gunter, John Swift of both... Uh, uh, sign new deals as well so those are really really big uh, boosts for the club we've also managed to pinch uh, Ron Gourlay from Chelsea their former chief executive has come in to do the same role at Reading so that's a really big boost uh, long term for the club Okay mate it's, it's Chris here how you doing um yeah, we've Bye. just we yeah all right yeah we just had our opening preamble and uh, yeah let's fair to say we're not exactly uh, jumping through hoops pardon the pun um, uh, what's your expectations for the season? Expectations for the season. Um, to be honest, another top six finish. Um, we haven't got the same amount of money that other teams have to throw at uh, signing new players. So I think the top two is out of reach. Other teams like Aston Villa and uh, Middlesbrough have got far more spending power than us. So I don't think we're going to trouble the top two. But top six, I think if we can replicate the same kind of form we had last season, work on the playing style a little bit, and hopefully a few new additions should prove to be a big boost. Have you got any frigger that can shoot straight? Sorry, what was that? <laughs> Have you got any players that strikers? Can you strikers do things like shoot straight and stuff? Just about. Um, a lot of our strikers are injured, to be honest, so they won't be shooting straight for a couple of weeks. Jan Kermigan's out, uh, Joseph Mendes too. John Daddy Bodvarsson, who we brought in from Wolves, only scored about three goals last season in 40 games. So yeah, people say that. I don't think he'll... Troubling your, uh, I don't think it'd be troubling Alex Smithies on Saturday. To be quite honest with you, oh. um, but we do have some very promising young players as well. Some very promising young strikers: Sam Smith from the academy, no relation to the singer, and Danny Loder as well, sixteen years old, uh, who scored a couple of goals against QPR in pre-season as well. Oh uh, yeah, I heard about that, Steve. Yeah, hi yeah. there. Um, 
Yeah, just a question about the strikers. You mentioned uh, Bod Varson. We were linked with him before he went to Wolves, so it's, it's absolutely stitched on he's going to score. Um, who, who, who do you think will be your, your, your first choice um, strike partnership when, you, when you've got everyone fit? Uh, it's hard to tell, to be honest. Um, we kind of switched between a 4-3-3 and a 3-5-2 last season, so it could either be one central striker or two. Um, I'd expect Jan Kermigan, if he's fit, but we're also strongly linked with Nucky Wells from Huddersfield, uh, who's not expected to get a lot of game time now that they've been promoted to the Premier League. So if we manage to bring him in, then I hope he'd be our first choice. They're looking but for also uh, John Bod Varson as well could get a lot of games. They're looking for about ten million for him, aren't they? Nucky Wells. Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. They're, they're, they're after about ten mil, aren't they, for Nucky Wells? Do you think he's worth that? No, to be honest. Um, it... He's a good player, but he's not that kind of special player that warrants that kind of fee, especially with one year left on his contract. I think ten million would be a bit of a rip off, however good he is. The problem we have, I think, is that we were just saying earlier. There's so many clubs now with big spending power. You know, and we've already seen players come for fifteen million or so in the, the transfer window. Um, and, and so anyone from anywhere else is going to be alerted to that and that the, the, there's going to be a premium on all these players. Yeah, to be honest, I think the market's just been distorted by a couple of really rich teams coming down from the Premier League and being able to spend massive amounts of money on players that aren't worth it. Seven million for Ashley Fletcher mm. would not have happened even a season ago. And going back five years, the amounts of money that are being spent are ridiculous. So it just goes to show how much... Sorry? So I was just going to say QPR, they um, haven't got a bad record against Reading in, in um, previous seasons, particularly uh, away from home. How do, how do Reading fans see QPR? Do you see them as kind of like a bogey team? Do you, do you laugh at us or, <laughs> or um, how do you see us as a challenger? We don't laugh at you at all. Um, a little bit of a bogey team, to be honest. Um, we had an excellent record at home last season. We only lost two games all season. One of them was to QPR. So you can never rule you out, to be honest. I think the last couple of seasons we've tended to draw 1-1 at Loftus Road and then lose 1-0 at the Modeski. So yeah, we don't we don't pick up many wins against you, yeah. even when things are going well for us. Yeah. Well, that's See, you've, you've, you've managed to be the most optimistic person on the podcast, <laughs> isn't it? which is unusual for a Wii fan. One thing I do have to address um, is the ticket pricing for away fans. Do you feel yeah. there's a wee bit high? I, I certainly do, and obviously I'm not an away fan, but how much do you guys are paying for Saturday? Do you know? Uh, I believe it's in the region of 30 to 35 for yeah. a lot of fans. Um, yeah. it, uh, to, be 37, to be honest. But... 37? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it'll put off a lot of fans... It's a short journey, so you'd expect quite a few fans to make the journey anyway, but there will undoubtedly be some who would have liked to go that won't be able to. Uh, but to be honest, it happens at a lot of grounds last couple of seasons. Sheffield Wednesday and Leeds are charging oh, yeah. through the nose. Ipswich have done it in the last couple of years, and there's not much to see at Hortman Road, to be honest. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know why they're charging that much. Um, and it unfairly gives teams bad reputations that they're charging a lot of money for a ticket. I would like to see this um, 20 to 25 cap set on away fans of all clubs because let's face it, we all go home and away, we all pay it. And to to pay over £30 for Championship Football doesn't encourage families, doesn't get people away from the Sky TV remote control and it's something I think all clubs need to look at because surely it's better to have people paying 25 and having full stands and people paying 40 or whatever and having them half empty it just to me it doesn't make any financial sense whatsoever and you know there's there's and again it's, it's it's benefiting those that come down with the parachute money to do better than everyone else i mean i actually believe there should be a wage capital championship now because the prices are getting so damn ridiculous yeah. i mean we we, pro- we proved that you can spend money and get worse but we're one off to be fair but um, listen, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, no offence, um, I'm not going to wish you luck and I don't think you expect me to, but hopefully your fans <laughs> come down and we get um, both, both sets of fans enjoy the day, but we enjoy it slightly more. But thank you ever so much for coming on our podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. No worries, big man. Good luck against Fulham. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, mate. All the best. Cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what a nice chap. I mean, I, I don't know if this feature's going to work, but I kind of like it. I mean... You know, get the other way fan on, get a different perspective of our club. 
he thinks we're good and we're a boogie team. <laughs> Little does he know. If we, if we draw um, Chelsea in the cup, are you going to do the same feature? Am I thick? <laughs> no. Not really any point, is there, getting a Chelsea fan on? Uh, Can you imagine the crack? Really? I think you definitely break the, the one swear word per podcast rule. Yeah. <laughs> that. I mean, it's like if you sit in Google and like, <laughs> Gary Bannister, <Yeah>. Johnny Byrne. <laughs> Yeah. So we'll just ask you on for six minutes. Um, <laughs> and um, you're so bad, even Sean Wright Phillips scored a winner against you. You're absolute. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I think is the yeah, answer. Ful- Fulham be interesting because have you seen that picture doing the rounds on Twitter of the Brentford fan with I hit Fulham and there's two boys. One's got I hit Fulham, one's yeah. got I hit QPR yeah. in his back. And I'm thinking, that's a very confused family, isn't it? You know, just. But would you put the team that you hit on your back? I don't think I would. Bertram did, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, Bertram, Bertram Bertram's eight Chelsea. Chelsea yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I get that. Not just because it's Mark. It's Bertram, yeah. It's Bertram and he's playing football. He's on live TV. I get that. But I wouldn't put them not on me shirt. But anyway, each to the own. By the way, Brentford and Fulham have done very good business, but I'm kind of hoping they both plummet really badly this season, as we all do, because we need three teams worse than us. But let's stop the pessimism. <laughs> Let's stop the realism, some would say. I don't call it realism. It's more pessimism. There must be something that's happened in pre-season that we've seen from the games in Germany, that we've seen at Peterborough, that we've seen on Saturday, that makes us think, do you know what? There could be a click here. Steve? Oh, thank you for that. Um, I haven't seen those uh, games, the, the, the other friendly games, unfortunately. So You're doing I, a nice and finger on me, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't see it. Um, no, I, <laughs> I, did, I, I saw the game on Saturday and I thought we were okay. Uh, I'm not totally pessimistic. I think, I think we could be okay. Uh, I think we'll battle hard, um, and I and I really hope. That what I'm expected to see from from this Holloway team is a lot of hard work, a lot of effort. If sort of you know an hour into a game we're nil nil or we're we're one down and the players are slacking off, I think that's when we'll know that there are real problems. If if they are putting in a shift, um, you know, game in game out, then yeah. You know, I, that, that's what I would expect from a Holloway team, and that's what I'd like to see. But, Chris Mendes, you're, you're young, because I know David's obsessed with having young people on the podcast because he thinks us all fogies like Chris and Steve, sometimes oh, he comes on, <sighs> and maybe myself, are long in the tooth. What do you think, young fellow, my lad? About what? Life in general, let's talk about like no, do, do you think we could. Because everyone's expecting us to do so badly, could we be typical QPR and totally run the, uh, the right way around and do if well? We, if we overperform, then we'll, you know, overperforming for the squad we have, overperforming would be, you know, sneaking into the top half of the table, I think. Okay. Um, I, I, kind of, I just think it's a bit unrealistic with the squad that we have at the moment to expect anything more than that. Um, or to even hope for anything more than that. If we get maybe like three or four unbelievable signings, which is unlikely at this stage, then. You never know, but you know, I think just staying up has to be the aim, looking at the squad. Chris Charles, who are you looking forward to seeing this season? Who you think will be the player that could ignite our season? Well, I've mentioned him already, this young lad, Easy, or uh, you know, I think that's how you pronounce it. I mean, he had that... Don't do the Easy Jet joke again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, somebody's already, again, not, I'm not taking credit for that, come up with the Easy Good, Easy Good, he's Evan, Easy Good, or whatever it is. So I think that's the ready-made song for him if he what does What was that song in. about, Chris, again? Uh, no idea. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I know it's very, he's, he's very young, but I mean, he only came on for, I think, what, how long was he on for? 20 minutes or something before he, he unfortunately got injured, but I heard decent reports about him. And of course you can't pin your hopes on a, on, but on a, on a kid that age. But I do think if we're not signing any more strikers, um, I, I, I wonder if we'll bring anyone on, on loan. That's the only thing I can think of. I'm, I'm really hoping that we'll, we will get maybe one or two uh, sort of players coming up through the academy. I mean, one of the biggest surprises and pleasant surprises of last year was Ryan Manning, who came on at Wolves and was absolutely fantastic. And if we can, if we can get one or two of those, I think that might give us a bit of hope. Um, but yeah, when, when, you know, we might sign one or two more players, but it, there isn't going to be this massive influx that's suddenly going to change our fortunes overnight unfortunately and and you could argue that there shouldn't be because we, we you know, there isn't a lot of money swishing around the club we've spent the half a billion or whatever there was to be spent and and 
we now do have to be sustainable. And I mean, this is just a, a sheer reality of it that, that we can't be spending the sort of money the villa are spending. Well, and, you, and to be fair, Huddersfield approved. You don't need to. But the thing is, as well, perhaps now it's down to rely on the coaches and just doing what we have, making them better, coaching properly, and not looking to every transfer window to make good or woes. Because at the end of the day, we spent money on Yannick, we spent money on Silla, we spent money on Washington, we spent money on Smith. And a lot of money as well. They're not like free transfers, so you kind of hope. But I mean, I do think, and maybe I'm just strangely optimistic, I do think if we can get the best out of Silla, there's a good player in Silla. It just needs to be brought to attrition. I, I agree, yeah. Because he's got all the attributes of a striker that should do well in the championship. I mean, that goal against Fulham away was excellent. He's got a good first touch. He can't, but as you say, it's still in the arms in the air and, and doing, I mean, you know, you can forgive Cantona for doing it, but when, when, when you're kind of trying to work within the team you need to be a wee bit more extra in. but then as you said maybe easy will come in and, and sometimes a kid comes from nowhere like remember Wardley did that when he came from yeah. Melden he comes in and then had an absolute shock of the second season but we forget about that so you never know the, the, from, never expect QPR to be predictable that's what I've learned in my short time do we all agree that Northampton will probably knock us out of the cup yep alright okay yeah. so we need to go there <laughs> right on, before we do predictions and stuff Chris you're looking at me. Do you want to say something, big man? No, I was just... Well, yes. Um, <laughs> no, it's a I was just... A, a, a couple of things. Um, first of all, Grant Hall. But, I mean, we don't know how any... I don't know how long he's at. He's got tendinitis, hasn't he, or yeah, something? Yeah, he's out for a few weeks, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, but there was... It was just interesting thing that Ollie said that um, he said he's decided what shape I'm going... Decided what shape we're going to have and I'm going to try and stick to it. Uh, and he claims he's not going to be making all these changes this time because of that reason. Um, and he said it might be predictable, but I don't care. So I just wonder, what do we know Strange. what shape he's well, going for? I mean, he looked like sort of a 3-5-2, didn't it? Yeah, yeah it must be. Two wing backs. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't play a different shape to what he's going to start the season he with in his so. last friendly. But Grant Hall was like the key to his system yeah. last season with him sort of in midfield and dropping back defence. So I think I agree with what he was saying about Borussia coming in in the holding role. I think yeah. he, might, he might play that role. Well, but wing backs, I mean, I, I, surely you'd, I, I'd take a punt on Fer, Darnell Furlong. I know I'm always singing his praise and I know he's not you know the best right back that you've ever seen, but I do think we could do worse than to give him a little run in the side. James, because, yeah, James Perch, by the way, on Saturday. He's, if that's what he's like on a friendly. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, Perch has been. He does have this tendency to do that, but I mean, there's, he's not as bad as some people make out. I mean, he's had some decent, solid games for us, but just has these it's sort of aberrations now and again. Uh, that he is at right back or centre half playing but then we, we bought Gosford and played him as left centre for a wee bit. <laughs> but this is the problem. Right. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think Holloway really knows still about what is what is first Which choice. Which is a worry. Is, yeah, a when, worry. We, when we're starting next Saturday. But then it could be that we're just trying to confuse a frigate of the opposition and we're just trying mind games and it's actually a brilliant plan. It's a cunning mm. plan. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, the people, people don't, don't switch off. Stay with us. We're going to be positive. All right. Here's, here's an idea, right? We get a win against Reading by... Someone's arse, whatever, ball comes off someone's head, a throw in, goes wrong, um, your man goes to kick it, rolls under his feet, whatever way it is, confidence. That's, I think, the secret to our season. A few good results, a bit of confidence, build, build, build. And we've seen how fragile our confidence is because to lose six in the spin twice shows you that you're fragile. So maybe if we actually get some good results, get a springboard, someone finds form, there is hope. Like we did last season, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry to burst your bubble. Red, if you haven't read, <laughs> it's the first podcast of the know, season. And the on. thing was, we did have that. We had the two six on the bounces. But if you want positive, we did have that little run where we how many, how many games did we win on the Wilkins spin? Or? It was about five, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So we did have that sandwiched in between the two six. So it does show you that there is there is a team there that can play well. Um, it's just working out who plays where and 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 then sticking to it for a bit. I just I just wonder about the the the, the fan base. I mean, I know that Twitter isn't always a, a brilliant gauge, but if you look on Twitter and Facebook, there's already a, quite a large number of people who are calling for Holloway's head. Um, and I think that's Unacceptable. really... Unacceptable. 1-0 against Bournemouth. Well, I know. Yeah, exactly. But, but there are some people who think we should be winning every game. And if we do, we do get a win against Reading, and I sincerely hope we do. We're going to be talking about playoffs. It's kind of a... It's, you know, it's either feast or famine. You know, it's... I noticed that actually after the Norwich game, which was absolutely diabolical beyond belief and shocking, and even Bertram said in a live podcast, which is still on our website at Indie Yards, you can listen to. Um, that it wasn't acceptable. Norwich, then the first post up after the game, good. Now we can f- focus on promotion, and I'm like, are you mad? Yeah. You know, it's 
And maybe that's a problem as well. People are, are used to the influx of players, the money coming flying in, because maybe the money has ruined us a wee bit and built the expectations. And maybe this year, because we have no expectations, we're going to win the fucking league. I just completely contradicted myself in one sentence. Well, we didn't have many expectations under Warnock, to be fair, did we? And uh, we went and did just that. Yeah, but Warnock brought in players that had championship experience that knew what they were doing. I mean, a lot of people would I just... know, I was trying to be positive. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just going back. <laughs> it's called debate, Christopher. Yes. We're trying to debate these I know, things. I and I don't get the flack that Warnock gets on Twitter myself. I mean, a lot of people like him off, didn't like him. Fair enough, it wasn't settled to an opinion. But very few managers have won league trophies at QPR, and he is one of the very few that has. So... I'll give him the respect for that. And then, you know, he's, he's carried... And it, everyone says, oh, he wouldn't have come back to QPR. I can tell you, he would have come back to QPR like yeah. a flash. That was all completely badly handled, in my humble opinion. Um, and we would have been better off giving him a year and having a younger understudy to come through and learn. Maybe someone like Ramsey learning from Warnock. I don't know, something like that there. But we... As you, the sorry. problem with Warnock was that they didn't want to go down that route of getting the, the players that he would have demanded. You know, they just wanted to go down the... They probably would have been on bigger wages... Um, towards the end of their career, some of them. I don't think they were, Chris. That's the thing, you see. I, I think we blew it. When we, went, when we went, brought in the legs of Darien now, don't forget, we weren't that attractive as a team then. So he, Do you think Warnock would be happy with this squad that Holloway's got? Well, Warnock didn't... When he came back last season or whatever, he, he did reasonably well with the players that he had. And he, he, he seemed to steady the defence up, which is something that we haven't come to grips with yet. I don't know, listen, hypothetical. I mean, I reckon we could get Messi and we'll probably play him in goal. What do I know about football? I think um, the difference between Warnock and maybe Holloway is, is that if, if Warnock can add someone like Silla, I mean, if you liken him not in ability, but as in temperament to Adele to Rapt, then Warnock sort of realised what he needed. And I mentioned this a few podcasts ago, the, 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 the arm around the shoulder rather than the rocket and the hanging out to dry in the press. Well, and the thing is, is that Holloway's mm. done that to a few players, hasn't it? Yeah. Rizziuk, he's done it to Silla. Yeah. You know, there was that, that thing um, early, early doors when he was actually selling the, sending the, 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 the non-English speaking players to go and train, train on their own, not training with the main body of the squad. And you, and you think, well, how, you know, is, is Holloway doing a good enough job to blend... And mould this no, and I, together. I, I don't think he is if all those reports are true. But we, we, you know, we've heard some of it in the, in the press, and he's come out and said, you know, I didn't give Borisuk a fair go. Okay, he's put his hands up to that, and he says it's like signing a new player, etc., etc., etc. Got a lot of midfielders there now: Borisuk, Manning, um, Cousins, who's injured Cousins again. Is apparently, injured and three started at the um, at the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, we, we certainly um, probably. I don't know. That, that's the other thing about whether anyone's going to actually go because um, all the talk clearly was of Smithies, but it, it seems that no one's really that interested in him. Well, unless we're keeping it keeping it under the radar, I still, I still Sunderland got, seems the obvious place. Doesn't yeah, it? I still think I've still got a feeling Bournemouth might be interested just because Smith. Uh, sorry, Boric is uh, aging a bit now, isn't he? Sort of thing. Yeah, six, yeah. Mm, Smithies is to be the best goalkeeper in the championship, but that's because we like to keep him busy. Um, um, I, I think. I mean, I, I love Smithies, but I think if we got a decent offer for him, um, and, and yeah. it was ten million or whatever, then we should we should let him go because we have got two decent keepers underneath him. Um, I, I definitely wouldn't want him to, to go, but it makes financial sense. I think we'd live. I think Matt Ingram is a pretty yeah. good investment. Before, but before, sorry, before we go and talk to um, Taylor, Ian Taylor, sorry, Taylor. <laughs> Never thought I'd say that in this podcast. I can tell you um, about Saturday. Um, we're going to plead the case of a player. Is there a case to plead it for Stephen Corker? I was about to mention Stephen Corker because apparently he's another new signing. We've had apparently two new signings have been announced today for Rizyuk and Corker. Um, but yeah, to be honest, if if Corker is fit, motivated, and well, get him in. You know, I think I think he could do a fantastic job. And sadly, I, I really liked John Lynch when he first came in, but I think he's just too error prone and he's a bit too much of the brick. Shit has rather more than the more than thinking about the way he plays, and I think Corker would be much better. Um, I just wonder if they're showcasing Corker at the moment to try and sort of maybe pave pave his move up to Celtic or somewhere else. Yeah, because he's he's still I don't know what he's on, but he's still got to be on some of the biggest wages at the club, isn't he? Yeah, oh, God, I, mean, like, I think he's probably the highest paid player. Yeah, I mean, he's had a he's had a horrible, you know. I mean, it's, we we talked this before. I mean, there's there's two sides of the argument. There's one like the pull your finger out and help you, you know, yeah. help yourself. And how long can we keep you know bailing him out if you like? And the other side is that he's got a serious illness and and you can get knocked off track. But on a slightly light note, you you wonder whether Glasgow would seem the obvious place for a recovering alcoholic <laughs> to go. But 
Um, yeah, well, well, now we well, just well, offended everyone north of the border. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a reason why Glaswegians. Well, my parents, my grandparents were Glaswegians. So. <laughs> I've seen your drink. Um, I, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I have total sympathy for Stephen Corker. He's a product of the way football is now. We take these these kids young. We throw thousands and thousands of pounds at them a week. Uh, you know, we keep them in a bubble. Is it any wonder? You know, some of them go off the rails and have problems. Um, and I actually, I think probably QPR is not a bad place for him to have been while this has been happening because. You know, I I think at QPR we would be looking after him, and I'm pretty sure that's what Holloway would be trying to do. Um, but if we can if we can reap the benefit of that and 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 get him playing again, and and you know maybe have a good six months out of him, and then he sort of leaves with six months left on his contract in January, I think that would be the ideal outcome. I just I wonder if that's going to happen, but I really hope it does for his sake. Well, they could do a Bobby Samora, couldn't he? He could turn it around in the last few months of his time with the club and. And leave on I a very good footing. I think he'll play well in the first few games and then play well enough to get himself a move somewhere. Would you bring him in for Lynch? I'd probably play him up front, to be honest, looking at our, the way our strikers played on Saturday. I wonder if there's any mileage in get because he had that big pilgrimage over to where it, I think it was Africa yeah, somewhere. Africa, yeah. um, and he, he just spoke of helping all these kids and doing the community work. And one thing we have got is a brilliant community side. I wonder if it'd be worth you know, getting him involved with some of the kids and some of the disabled people and, and, and giving him a sort of purpose outside of the football as well to keep him busy. I'm, I'm no psychologist, but it just strikes me that might be one way that he, he, he'd benefit from. That sounds like a good link to Ian Taylor, who will fill us in on what happened on Saturday with the proceeds to stand his family and all of that. So let's speak to Ian quickly and find out what's going on there. Ian, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I know you had a very busy day Saturday, but if you could just fill us in on the background a wee bit to the QPR fans um, about uh, the whole Stambles, how it started and Saturday, and potentially how much money we might raise for the family and himself. Yeah, I think everybody will agree. It was a, a fantastic day, wasn't it? Um, we, always, we always say that it's difficult for us uh, as staff on the non-footballing side to control what happens on the pitch but we pride ourselves in what we do off the pitch and um yeah saturday was was fantastic wasn't it i know that you guys are, are, have been hugely behind everything that we've been doing including doing the joint podcast and the build-up to it and the day itself went as well as we could have expected really with obviously stan not coming out onto the pitch once but but twice which was quite a late call in the end because uh, i was down in the box at about 23 and he was quite lively so i just said to one of his daughters and uh, they got both daughters together. I said, look, I think, I think we can probably make this work. If Stan's happy, we'll try and get him on the pitch and lead out the teams. And by quarter two, we were back down the tunnel, um, liaising with the referee and both managers and they were happy with it. So yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And the good news is, and the most important news, I think from Stan's point of view, I, I think we're, we're probably going to be around raising around 80 to 90,000 pounds, which is Jesus. potentially. Potentially up to to three years, um, I believe, um, at, at circa thirty grand a year. I think potentially up to three years in a home um, for him, which is which is quite remarkable. And owes a lot to um, a lot of people, but I think Colin Howe and Don Shanks in particular deserve um, a hell yep. of a lot of credit. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. But I mean, I've been on that committee, you know, Ian and. Uh... Don has worked himself into the ground on this for his old teammate. And when I get older, I hope I have a friend as good as Don, that's for sure. Um, and the T-shirts... Yeah, very much so. And yeah, I mean, there's plenty of people, yourself included, Ash, yeah. um, Sarah as well. I think Andy Sinton has obviously played a huge part in, it, in his role as club ambassador. And it's often overlooked the role of the CEO. But I think... Um, I sound like I'm pitching for a pay rise here, but the role <laughs> that Lee Hughes has, the role that Lee Hughes has done... Um, to get this where we needed to get it and I'm sure you can vouch for this Finney has been he's really gone beyond the call with it all so um, I think he deserves a bit of praise as well well don't worry that I'll be bringing that up my hours end of the show don't you worry about that uh, there's a few things Good. to be made clear about that but the, the other thing is as well it was the family was so humble and, and so thankful of, I mean Rangers did a good thing on Saturday. I don't care what anyone says. That you know, some pe- football secondary. When you, when you can make a difference to a family in a man's life like that, then you've got to be proud of your football club, surely. Yeah, definitely. And I think the remarkable thing is, I mean, I I've got to learn quite a bit about Alzheimer's uh, since since Stan's diagnosis. Um, it's been something that's been at the forefront of 
have a lot of people's thoughts, um, those with QPR connections, those not with QPR connections. But the remarkable thing is the familiarity. The minute he steps foot on that Loftus Road pitch or the minute he hears the, the Stanley chant, he, he all of a sudden looks a completely different character. Um, and I know you were there, Finney. Um, I'm not sure if any of the other guys on the pod were. I don't think they were, but we went back and had a drink in the Cricket Club afterwards and Stan looked absolutely knackered at about half seven, quarter to eight, but... As he was walking out, the the Stanley chant went out again, and he was jigging around like he was eighteen yeah. again. So it, it was remarkable. And it, they do say that familiarity is a good thing when it comes to outsiders. And I'd love for us to get him along one more time. I really would. Whether or not that's going to be achievable, I don't know. But if that is his final trip, then I think um, you know we gave him a day that him and his family can really be proud of. And do you know what? That makes us a special football club, uh, Chris Charles. Yeah, I think it does. I think it does. I think you're right there because, you know, you can sing a lot of mud at, at various football clubs around the country and QPR are one of those. But when you, when you do something like that, um, and obviously we're doing other bits as well with the, with the Grenfell game as well coming up, which I'm sure you guys will talk about. Yep. Um, if not tonight, then in the build-up to the game. But it does make QPR special and um, it makes all the staff there quite proud to be associated with it. Hi, Ian. It's Chris. How you doing, mate? Hi, Chris. Yeah, um, I mean, I was at the game on on, on Saturday, um, and yeah, like like everyone else, it was um, def- definitely a tear in the eye, but also a few smiles to see him, you know, jigging around to the boys are back in town and stuff like that. And and as you said, he you sort of read the reports before, and it's clearly a big effort to actually get him down there in the first place. But once he was on there, he just he just sprang into life. Yeah, I mean, it's it, Finney can probably feel you in on the uh, the number of uh, issues we've had along the way with this one. Um, yeah, I won't dwell on dwell on them too much because I don't want to give those individuals the time of day. To no, quite. I think that's I will. Wanted, <laughs> wanted throughout all of this. Um, there's been huge challenges, um, but you know, I think it's a sign of how good the committee were. Uh, there were isu- there were issues initially with the original committee, but the final committee were absolutely brilliant, and yeah. I remember waking up um, one day last week. Um, I think I went to bed at midnight having finished up doing some Grenfell game stuff. And then I woke up at half six, seven, and I think I had about a dozen emails from, from Colin Howe sent at three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock. Hmm. Um, and it just goes to show the effort that's been put in. And, you know, he, he's one of a kind, Stan, isn't he? We've had a lot of legends over the years, but I've been there over a decade now. And I've got to know him when he was in good health and obviously when he's been in not so good health as well. And he's just... He's just a real special character, and I think I think you can often tell by the the groundswell of emotion, both in the stadium and on social media, in the 24 hours before and the 24 hours after, just just what a legend he is. And if, like I said, if that is his final time, then um, he's, he's gone out um, with flying colours, hasn't he? And it, it was a really special day. No, absolutely, mate. And, and very quickly, you mentioned the Grenfell game. Just in a nutshell, can you just explain what this is, uh, you know, uh, um, when it's likely to take place uh, for people who don't know about it? Yep, September the 2nd is the date for the diary. We did a big launch um, last week. Um, brainchild of Tony Fernandez and Les Ferdinand, along with one of the, um, one of the directors uh, at Columbia Records, who's Tony, Tony worked for many moons ago. And a huge, huge um, part of this has been Marcus Mumford, the lead singer of the Mumford and Sons, who quite remarkably has been down at Grenfell Towers every day since the since the disaster. I mean, those of you that like your music, you'll know that he's uh, the front man, as I say, of the of the Mumford and Sons, and yeah. he's he's been really the driving force behind these free soccer schools that keep you on the community trust, as well as all the other London clubs, or sorry, all the other West London clubs have been putting on at Westway. Since last Monday, we had over 180 kids there uh, last week on one day. Um, I think they were looking, I think they're hoping to get to 200 this week. Um, it's free for everyone, three to 18 year olds. Um, and that's going to culminate in the finals day up at the play football pitches uh, uh, in Shepherd's Bush on the day of the game for Grenfell. The game for Grenfell itself, um, tickets, £5 uh, for concessions, £15 for adults. And it's really a, a who's who of the celebrity and the football world. There's some fantastic ex-QBR players that are playing. I've confirmed an absolute perler for today, which I'm going to announce on Wednesday, which um, I think will have, if you guys haven't already got your tickets, I think this one will have you rushing back. I'm sure it will. Um, mm. And it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, you, you said all, you wouldn't tell me when I was playing. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> 
all proceeds, importantly, are going into the Evening Standard Dispossessed Fund, which isn't just um, for, for the residents. It's a wider community as well, and that was something that Marcus Mumford was, was really keen to make sure that we got in there, and the agreement was that it's everybody within the West London area that can really can really get the benefits of, of what we hope will be a huge fundraising day. We haven't put a figure on it in terms of what we want to raise because it's it's not all about the money that we're looking to raise. It's also about just trying to get some smiles back on the face of those in the local community because it's been a terrible time. Really, the last six weeks or so mm. have been a really terrible time. I think we interviewed Tony earlier today and I think those quotes are going up on the website at some stage tonight or tomorrow. And it, it's one of those that really is united people and it just goes to show that the power of football um, in terms of uniting a community is, is really second to none. And I think you saw that with Stan at the weekend and I think we'll see that on September the 2nd too. Hi, Ian. It's Steve Sace here. I, just a quick one, Hi, really. I was, uh, I, I was there on, on Saturday in the lower loft just as a, as a regular punter, and I just have to say I thought it was an absolutely fantastic day. I thought it was brilliantly organised, well orchestrated. It was fantastic seeing, seeing Stan out there. Um, you're absolutely right to talk about the committee. You've done a, done a, done a fantastic job. But I, I would just like to say thank you to the club. I mean, there's been times, you know, thankfully in the past when you know we things maybe haven't gone as well between club and fans but i think this one is where we can yeah. give you a, a give you all a, a hearty well done and thank you because i think you know like i say fantastic result uh, of the day i was there i had some some bournemouth friends with me uh, in the lower loft they absolutely loved it they thought it was stunning stan got a great ovation off the bournemouth fans just everything was right so i just wanted to say thank you very much great great day great work no, I appreciate that. And there's been, I've, I've probably, I've probably left out people that I've mentioned um, already, but um, it's been a real collective effort um, from everybody. And there's a lot to be said for social media in today's world of football. Um, for me, the the cons far outweigh the pros. Hmm. Um, but I think, I think the way everybody is united over this, via mainly social media, um, the good and the bad. But thankfully, we got we got over the line in the end. And most importantly, as I said at the top of this interview, we, we've raised some great money for Sam. And I think stuff like that, um, the open day today where we had just short of 1,000 people, uh, young kids um, and, and, and their families, I think that's what makes QPR quite special and quite unique and, and long may that continue. Right. Before we say goodbye, just going back to Granville quickly, I mean, I lived in West Brom Park, which is around the corner um, when I moved over from Northern Ireland. And my sister still lives in the area it's devastating. Um, yeah, it's there's no words to describe how the locals and you know, let's not mince our words, have been absolutely shat on by the council. I can say that you can't. Um, and the I probably can, and I think that that's part of the reason that Marcus Mum is massively on board. He wants justice for every single one of those residents, mm. um, and that fight's going to continue for years to come. I, I hope fear. So. I think I think we could be looking at. You know, I hope it doesn't last as long as as the Hillsborough disaster did, um, and the justice um, that those guys had to wait so long for. But um, there's a lot that's been written and said that hopefully this this game, even if it's for one day at least, hopefully this this game will unite people and bring everybody together because it promises to be quite good good fun. I mean, I'm not sure how good the football will be. There's, there's obviously some good ex, uh, ex-professionals playing. Peter Crouch, current professionals, also playing. Um, I'm not sure what the standard of celebrity players will be like, but um, that's not what it's about, really. It's about giving something back, mainly for the kids, because the, the young kids are just, you know, you, you look at them when they're attending these soccer schools on a daily basis, and they're, and they're devastated. The whole world's been, been turned upside down, and it's... For me, when you read when you read the wider picture, it, it looks as though it, it could have been prevented. So it, it's heartbreaking, really. It's um, it's also if you turn around from South Africa Road and look up, you can see it. Um, so it's yeah, it's we it's, can see it out the office window every day. Yeah, it's it's um, uh, and, and, when, and when we meet, sorry, go. No, I was just saying when we're meeting and talking about it, and you know, you, you look at you look over your shoulder and you can see that you can see that tower block there, and it just brings it brings it all flooding back and into sharp focus and. I think for as long as we can support, and this isn't just about one day. This is this is going forward for months and years to come, and we'll do everything we can, both the club and Andy Evans and his team, um, QPR and the Community Trust, and Michael, um, who, who I knew I'd miss a name out. Michael's been on the ground there, and he's the one who's delivering these soccer schools. Um, he's, a, he's a fairly new member of staff, but 
Um, the feedback we're getting from everybody. I think there's going to be some special guests down there, non-QBR, QBR, over the coming six weeks or so. So um, just to give some of that to those kids is, is really important. Well, it's not often I give you praise, Ian, as you well know, but very, <laughs> <I> know that. <laughs> very proud of Saturday and what you're doing for Grenville is so heartfelt and so wonderful and um, so proud that we're doing it and that we are being the community club that we love so much. So, Ian, seriously, thanks for coming on and thanks for all you're doing for that as well. It's a... It's something that's close to all our hearts. It's our local, it's, it's QPR fans. No worries. Might even be time for another joint podcast. Who knows? You never know. As long as I can host it and um, moan about the toilets and the coffees at halftime, it'll be great. Don't worry. Mate, listen, seriously, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. And the best luck to you and the guys on Saturday. And please win. No, 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 FA Cup run. Crossed. Top six. That's the one thing we can't control, but um, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, well, if any of them kids are kept to see the open day today, really good. Maybe get them down again Saturday. You never know. <laughs> All right, and cheers, pal. Cheers, nice, nice to see you. See you, yeah. fella. Bye. Bye. Right, we're going to have to go into our um, RSM because I can just see David Fraser's finger wagging at me, telling me that people have already finished their commute and are halfway to Manchester. Um, so, sorry, Steve Sears is doing like a Hawaiian dance at me. I have no idea what that was about. My, I can do mine really quickly. And Ian mentioned it. It was really just about the the, the open day. What was the uh, the, the great work for Stan on Saturday, the Grand, Grenfell game, some of the, the more lower-key community stuff that the, that the club does um, might go under the radar. But yeah, I, I didn't get to go to the Open Day, unfortunately, but I know a lot of people who did. It's an absolutely fantastic experience for kids in particular. And it seemed, from the number of selfies on Facebook, it seems like a lot of adults enjoy it as well. Um, but it is absolutely brilliant. and It brings the players and the club closer to the fans. So, God, I've got nothing but praise for Ian Taylor tonight. But, uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic work. You never hear that again, this podcast. Me and you praising him in the same oh, night. No, it's amazing, isn't it? Mr. Mendez, with your cool, sophisticated-looking beard and your shirt, what have you got to say? <laughs> well, I just echo that. It's, it's great what the club What about the shirt and the, the, uh, the yeah, beard? Yeah, yeah, the beard. <laughs> Excellent. Um, no, it's great. Yeah, it's great that the club are doing this. I think it's important. Um, mm. And I, I know I was there on Saturday as well, and it was... Um, it was uh, they didn't really know what to expect and you know Stan he did look frail but he, his face did seem to light up when he came on the pitch which was which was really nice to see he seemed to enjoy it and and going into the game you just weren't sure whether that was going to be the case so it was no, really good it was now Chris Charles mm-hmm. you've been too quiet tonight have I looking. and um, can't get a word in edgeways mate will you <laughs> Huh? I'm only joking no it's alright it's, it's, it's first podcast and you've already insulted me yeah. it's noted anyway go on I, I haven't really got much of an arse end alright um, anyway yeah, um, I, I mean all I would say is I'm glad that bloody Chelsea poster got taken down uh, in, in in the bush and let's hope, it, hope, it, hope it never ever rears its ugly head again do you know, it's really weird because I was, I was at Leicester Square yesterday because I went to see Despicable B3 yeah I saw that the other day yeah. with my kids I used to Anyway, yeah. well, mine's 16 and she was dragged along so no one would think it was weird. Yeah. Um, and I've actually got the Chelsea poster up at Leicester Square beside the Spurs poster. And it's just like, this is modern football and it's most vile that you've got two teams that are, oh, you know, we are the pride as everyone that's a little bit of shake with the, the scumbags on it. And then you've got the Spurs one saying, we will rise. And it's both done by the same people. Mm. And you just think, this is, this is why so many people are going to non-league. Talking of modern football, I'll make that my Oz end. I just want to... You uh, just had it. No, Fraser's going to kill my bollocks. Carry on. I just want to congratulate Jack Robinson for being the only player with black boots on Saturday. Interesting. Ah. Interesting. I, do you know what? I'd love to see a day when players go back to that and they all have to look like Stanley Matthews. Do you know what I mean? With the long shorts and everything else. And we bring some... We go, let's face it, the country's heading back to 1950 anyway. So let's, let, let's bring it back to the football pitch as well. Like, and just, just do a wee bit of that controversy. I know. Ray, have you finished your hours in, Chris? Yes, mate. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, I mean... Are I, you feeling all right tonight? I'm fine. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm worried about I'm you. I missed the home day, actually. I was looking for something to do with the kids today. I had no idea it was on, but there you go. <laughs> so to be fair, I, I, I believe that, because we text Chris regularly, tell him the podcast is. He's like, is it? <laughs> I'll get there as soon as I can. Uh-huh. And as usual, it was 50 minutes late, which is why we're overrunning, but we were not cool there. Right, my hour's end of the show is going to be a wee bit lengthy because I have a few things to discuss and put a few myths right. Stamble's... We talked about it on this podcast a few years ago when Stan was first diagnosed and we all said, as we rightly should, do the game and it developed from there and other people did their thing. Um, The abuse that some people have taken over this game has been disgusting 
unwarranted, unneeded, and complete filth and wrong. Um, I'm on that committee. I know how hard those people have worked. And it's, it's wrong to have a go and try and use a sick man to make a point. Just think about that. This is a guy with Alzheimer's who people are using to have a go at other people. Catch your cell phone. Stop it. It went well. We had to do so much damage limitation on that because every time we tried something, something else happened. And it's horrible. This is a sick man, for God's sake. So I'm proud of every single person in that committee. I didn't do that much. I don't deserve any praise. But Colin Hill, Don Shanks worked their absolute balls off. Ian Taylor, um, Lee Hughes. Lee Hughes was not against this game from the start. That's a load of nonsense. Lee Hughes was for this game. We just wanted to make sure that we could make enough money for Stan. Because when people were saying, why did this game take so long? Why was this not happening? Why was that? I'll tell you for why. And I was there, so I can tell you the truth. And I've got no reason to lie. I'm not employed by the club. I drive a ruddy van. The point was that we couldn't push Stan over the financial threshold. Therefore, his care would have to be fully paid for and put him over state help in some ways. We had to take... um, advice from the PFA, we had to consult with the tax authorities to make sure we didn't push him over that as well, so we tr- could raise as much money without him being taxed and the pro- so we, we, all our job was, was to get as much money as possible for Stan, and every day on social media, people were having a wee pop they were saying this, and I'll tell you now, if you want to, I'll meet you down the pub with Colin and other people from that committee, and I'll put you straight in things, because some of the things you were saying was wrong, so please stop it Get behind the initiative, which will carry on with Stan and helping Stan with his care. And please stop the slagging. It's not warranted. And it's also disturbing because at the centre of it is a sick man. That said, QPR fans, you were frigging class on Saturday. You turned up and you, you don't realise the difference you've made to this family, to this man. You have more than helped him. And I can't thank you enough because that's a positive. We came together and we showed there is one Stan Bowles, one love, one QPR. And we're going to do predictions now. And I'm sorry for my rant. It had to be said. And I'm sorry it had to be said. But it needed to be addressed. And if anyone's got a problem with it, I'm there every Saturday. Come and talk to me. Right. We're back. Rant over. And seriously, you know, by the way, can I just say that when... And I'll finish it off with this. I'm sorry to keep ranting. But I was at the Chiswick Club like Taylor said. Ian Taylor said. Keep calling him Taylor. <laughs> Oops. Sorry, Ian. Um, and Stan was there. And we started up a Stanley Chant who left. He, he le- it's really weird because it's hard to describe as unless you've seen it. Um, he was struggling. The day it took its toll on him. He was struggling. You could see that. He's, they need to help him out. And we just started the Stanley chant. And he turned around and he was there again. Do you know what I mean? He was, he was there. And that means so much. And there was tears. I'm not going to lie. Grown men cry because he's a childhood hero. I mean, to me, he was better than Rodney Marsh. I don't care what anyone says. I don't even care what Rodney Marsh says. Stambles was a far better player, in my opinion. Far more team player, far more skill, far more ability. That's my opinion. That's all I'm saying. But again, guys, you made a difference. I'm so proud of you. And I'm giving you all a verbal clap because that was brilliant. Um, what you did, what you did to that family, you have changed lives, guys. Let's hope we can build on that for the rest of the season. Therefore, right, we're going to do predictions because we've been pessimistic let's put the pessimistic hats away by the way we're also joined by an engineer tonight who may be our future engineer we're trying to get in a free transfer he's called Neil he's from Cork and he's probably the only person that can actually understand me on this podcast even though he's from the wrong Ireland and we'll probably beat them in the playoffs or World Cup and win hey, hey. Um, yes predictions um, let's... no one's going to be listening to this podcast that's my first prediction yeah, carry on yeah. uh, let's end on a positive 1-0 narrow win for Rangers still to score oh oh Oof. Jesus. Good man. I'm going to predict a win as well. 2 1. I'm liking this. Bang on the table. We beat Reading, so we've got a good record against them. We will reclaim the Battle of the Hoops. Huh? Yeah, they haven't. You know, we spent ages talking about our summer, but there hasn't been anything special. So. All right. And I watched the Championship playoff final. Uh, it was just dreadful. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. It was the worst football. It was. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. And we're better than that. Come on. Yeah, I'm liking this. Come on. Chris, carry it on. Come uh, on. Uh, one all. Yeah, we bastard. Yeah. We're, we're, I think, to be honest with you, my prediction is just that we don't get tanked. It's not toxic. The fans get behind the team, which we always do. Understandably, everyone's fed up with getting bit. We turn them over and we then beat Hull. 
we get a couple of good results away at Norwich and so on. And then before we know it, top of the league in September and we've won a cup match. Come on, these tablets are great. Who wants some? Right, that's the end of the podcast, lads. We've massively overrun. I hope they've said stuff that the younger audience can appreciate as well because I know Dave worries about that. And Dave, stop worrying. People do get it. It's fine. The over 30, under 35s do understand this. And also, I'd like to dedicate tonight's podcast to Anthony Ryan, who's uh, struggling with a, a, a severe illness. He's had operation. He's in hospital. Our thoughts are with the Ryan family, and hopefully the wee man pulls through. And um, thoughts to you guys as well, which is far more important than football. Lastly, Stanley Bowles. Stanley Bowles, genius. Well done, QPR. You treated a hero as a hero should be treated. So proud, so wonderful. Thanks for listening. QPR. You pay off, you pay off, you